I should say Buenos Tardes because we're actually talking about a Spanish issue and uh, the new uh, legislation in Spain on equality plans and the obligation on companies to negotiate those plans with uh, employee representatives or indeed with external trade unions. I'm delighted to be joined in this conversation. First of all, uh, can I say with Oriel Abello, who is, I've worked with closely over the last few years because Oriel uh, is employee relations, European Employee Relations Director these days for HP based in Barcelona. And myself and Oriel have worked on European Works Council issues uh, for the last number of years. So thanks for taking the time um, to be with us. And, uh, thanks, I'm also, a pleasure. Yeah, I'm also, yeah, a good Barcelona man, you know, supports the right teams, important things, these matters, right? Um, I'm also delighted to be joining, you know, correct me if I get my pronunciation wrong here with um, um, Inigo uh, Sagradoy, and I believe that's a Basque name. Um, so, yo, hey, Catalan, I could do, que tal, que tal, buenas tardes, but no, Catalan, Basque is a sort of slightly different matter. Yeah, and... Very um, well, Tom. Yeah, and uh, Enero runs one of the biggest, is responsible for one of the biggest boutique law firms, uh, specialist law firms in Spain, uh, Sagrados Abogados. Uh, uh, and many of you who will be watching this already deal with them. And if you don't, maybe you should think about doing so. Hey, anyway, a couple of days ago, a week or so ago, I got an email from one of our colleagues. I had already mentioned in one of our emails that there was some new Spanish legislation on equal pay, equality plans, and so on. And uh, basically, it's Royal Decree 901-2020 um, on equality plans and Royal Decree 902-2020 on equal pay, um, which are both published in the official Gazette on the 14th of October. And the question to me was, um, Tom, we don't have much of a problem with equal pay plans or equality uh, strategies, but it would appear to us that this legislation is saying we may have to negotiate these plans with external unions, even if we don't have uh, a union involvement in our company. And the question was, can that possibly be the situation? So uh, that's sort of this area we want to explore. And what sort of data would you be obliged to hand over to an external union that doesn't have an involvement with your company around uh, uh, your pay structures and your pay differentials and so on? Now, most of the companies and most of you guys who would be watching this don't have any issue with equality plans or diversity and inclusion plans because it's built into the DNA uh, of most of the Baird member companies. But you would have concerns about sharing data with outside organizations, whoever they might be, that uh, don't normally have a relationship with your, with your, with your company. So Inigo, perhaps I could start by asking you, tell me a little bit about now, what do these equality plans amount to and what's required? Well, uh, first of all, good afternoon, Tom, and thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be with you and Oriel in this, well, in this conversation um, in an important matter, uh, equality plans. It is true that on employment aspect, we have seen a lot of pieces of legislation regarding restructuring, regarding suspension of contracts, 
but in the middle of the storm uh, of the coronavirus, uh, well, we have uh, learned and, uh, and, and the government approved this piece of legislation regarding e equality plans and equal play. It is true that in a certain way, uh, it, it was not, it's not totally new for us, for the Spanish companies, um, for the Spanish market, because uh, equality plans um, uh, regulation and legislation was approved a few years ago. Um, but it was a general regulation uh, focused exclusively on big companies, on companies of more than 250 employees. Um, so it was really a reduced market, we can call it like that, because in Spain, as you may know, we are, we are not a, a country of really big companies. We are a country of medium to small size uh, companies. So now there's a, quite a few changes with the new legislation, and, and you, you, go, you go directly to the point, uh, very important points. Uh, well, the first change and the main change is that the quality plans has to be negotiated, have to be negotiated uh, for companies that have more than 50 employees. Now, is that, um, is, is that an obligation? That's so an obligation. If you have more than 50 employees, you have to do this. You have to do it. It is true that the, the law says that this will be compulsory. Well, now it's voluntarily, but it will be compulsory from March 2022. From March to, to 22. So in more or less one year and a half time. Okay. And is a company an individual facility, plant, or the totality? The totality. The totality of the company. Um, but that, that's, that is very critical, but because companies that they are, well, more or less small or medium, 50 employees is not really a long, long number of employees, they will be forced to negotiate uh, these type of plans. That the plans are quite important because the plans, uh, the content of the plans are, are important because, of course, the, 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 the purpose of the quality plan is to avoid any type of discrimination uh, inside the company. Uh, regarding, well, basically gender discrimination in all, in all aspects of the labor relations, in aspects regarding hiring, aspects of, of payments, uh, salary, um, professional classification, uh, termination of contracts. So it's a, it has to be a, a, a long document and a long plan. So uh, you, you have to dedicate yourself quite a long time to, to, to negotiate these plans. And okay. the second, the second new thing, and, and you mentioned that before, and the second new thing that is quite important is the, that the door is open. The door is open for unions to be involved in these negotiations. Because um, if you don't have workers' representatives, and by workers' representatives, we, we mean with all, we all know uh, workers' council or union delegates within the company. And if those representatives are not elected uh, or, or the company that don't, and it's quite normal for, for example, for companies of 50 employees, 70 employees, they don't have worse counsel. Uh, you are forced to negotiate those plans with the representative unions of the sector that the company is involved. Okay. So, let, me, let, me, let me come back to that because that's a critical point, but I want to ask Oriel this. So Oriel, you know, somebody who sits there representing a major multinational, what sort of information do you think you would have to put on the table 
in these negotiations and how difficult would it be for you to put information on the table to an outside party who had nothing to do with you in the first place yeah well in our well, first of all thanks tom and inigo for for this invitation and to to share this this interesting panel and good afternoon everyone but yeah coming back to the to this particular question it's right that this is not impacting in the, in the particular case of our company this is not impacting us because we have a works council in Spain, but it is right that there might be other companies who do not have a, a works council or a union represented within the company. And then the process obliges to, to go to, to the external unions. And this is the, the first time, well, the, the first time we saw this process was for the temporary layoffs earlier this year. And now we see the, the same structure that the legislator has just used, which is if you do not have uh, representatives inside the company, instead of organizing an ad hoc commission to negotiate this particular plan, you need to call first the unions. And only in case the unions do not respond to that call, then you can you can go negotiate this directly with the, with the employees. But it's right that it may seem weird, the fact of, providing certain information to external unions. But as long as there is a law that obliges the company to do that, I think that, well, that the company just needs to, to comply with the law and negotiate for that. It's also interesting that the law contains a provision mentioning that, that the information provided will only be used for the purposes of negotiating this gender equality plan. So there is an, an implicit confidentiality obligation here as the parties involved cannot use this this information for other purposes but but yeah it's right that it's internal information from the company in the end but come on but come on yeah. Ariel. you know look come on you know you know i know Inigo, you know if you hand over a dossier of detailed salary information to a union you know come on you know what are they going to use it for yeah and also i think it opens the door to to know the, the company in depth. I mean, they they, they have the, the contact with the employees. They yeah. have uh, all the information regarding that company. Uh, could be also the revenues of the company. So and, it, and also the the Spanish legislation um, um, allows the unions, representative unions, to make elections in those companies that mm -hmm. for workers representatives in those companies that they are not elected already. So in a certain way, is uh, just to to open the doors for uni, I think the word would be in, in English, unionized, unionized company. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, union recognition, union recognition. Union recognition, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not, Not only, only for these purposes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's also interesting that that the that the law has established for this uh, salary register that it's another obligation that the companies have as a consequence of that. That the law provides. Uh, a different level of information that the company needs to provide and depending on whether this information is requested directly by the employee representative, so the works council, or if the, this information is requested by the, by the employees directly. So in a company where there is no union, where there is no works council, the employees can still ask this information to the company, but the law says, okay, as there is no employee representative body, the company needs to provide this information in a different way, which is less detailed. 
So the law is somehow helping the the, the unions to to be part of, uh, of, so, of these companies so, that are not non unionized yet. Yeah. So, for instance, if I was an external union in a company right now. I'm invited by the company to become involved in negotiating my equality plan. We have no members. I, um, as an external union, am I entitled to detailed salary information on individuals or just an overview? You know, so for instance, could I know what the managing director is earning because I'm an mm. external union? Would you have to give me that information? Not, not really, not in, in such detail. It is true that the salary register covers uh, the whole staff uh, from the high executives until the very last uh, uh, employee, uh, even including high executives, but not, uh, you don't need to, you're not forced to give details uh, by names, by concrete employee, no? It's, it's more a general overview. Also in the, uh, focusing that uh, the difference between men and women remuneration. So it's more in terms of percentage, in terms of professional categories, in terms of uh, jobs, rather than in terms of names. So, uh, but of course, if you only have one high executive and you see a mm. salary that is very high, um, well, uh, you, you guess easily who, who is the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The you, you, you don't need to be James Bond no. to figure <laughs> it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so... Talk to me a little bit. So, so, for the, so, so a lot of information has to be given. And as I say, you don't need to be James Bond to figure out what the information means. But talk to me a little bit about the negotiating process with a, an external union that has no involvement in your company. So you, have, you as a company have to negotiate an equality plan. You invite in these external unions. They agree to be involved. Now, sorry... A question I'll come back to, do the unions have the manpower, the person power uh, to be able to be involved in all of this stuff, which is, of course, another argument. Um, how is that negotiation going to be conducted? Do, do the external unions, if they arrive at a potential agreement on an equality plan with you, then have to go back to the employees to say, is this plan acceptable to you or can they just sign it? I go to you, Oriel. Okay. Yeah. Well, in my view, as as the law specifically says that the unions have this entitlement in this particular situation, they should be able to sign this gender equality plan, and this would be valid because they have the legitimacy to to negotiate in this but process. Does this mean that you could have an external union come into the company, have no communication with the employees? and sign an equality plan that they don't have to go back to the employees and discuss in the first place? On a, on a theoretical basis, um, legally speaking, yes, that's right. And what Oriol was saying, they are the legal representatives as if they were the works councils or workers' representatives. Um, but on a practical way, sometimes what it happens also, for example, with suspension of contracts negotiations or restructuring, Normally, the, the unions after the, or before the final signature, they go to, to the employees. They, they set up an, an assembly, something similar to say, well, this is the plan that we intended to sign. Uh, what do you think? 
and normally there is a well, referendum or a voting on so so normally that is yeah. the case it is also true that the law says that the, if there is no agreement because we imagine that the company doesn't like the the position of the unions uh, the company may decide to to implement unilaterally an equality plan without the agreement of the unions uh, it's very it's very unusual i mean from the from the, the experience that we have uh, in, the, in the last years, no? But it, it could happen also. So for instance, you invite in the external unions because you're obliged to do so. They come in, they enter into negotiations with you. They don't like what it is on offer. So they reject it. And then you say, mm -hmm. well, say la vie, or whatever, however you say that in yeah. Spanish, you know? Um, and we're going to implement an equality plan unilaterally and that's legal. Yeah. That's legal. That's yeah, that's legal, but you will need to de to document very well all this process because yeah. this is not just a consultation obligation. There is an obligation to negotiate and to negotiate in good faith. So you will need mm -hmm. to prove that you have negotiated in good faith. And in fact, the law is very specific in that regard because the law even says that you will need to to agree on the minutes after every meeting. So the law is establishing the, the, document, the, the documentation obligations even for every meeting, which is establishing the minutes. So all these minutes will be used in case there is no agreement to show whether the company has negotiated in good faith or not. And you and I already know what minutes from European Works Councils made. You know, we're trying to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And therefore, I, I presume that if a company said that negotiations were finished, we're going to unilaterally implement a plan, uh, could the external unions who have failed to agree with you then complain to the labor inspectorate? The labor inspection and the, yeah, and even the court, the social court, yeah. and also the employees. Yes, yeah, so have, they have the right so you, to, you, to court. You could, you could have a situation where external trade unions who have no members in your company and no representation capacity you know, bring you to court over a plan you fail to agree with them. Perfectly, perfectly, yeah, perfectly possible. I think some of my American friends will have difficulties understanding these <laughs> concepts. But look, let me change the subject a little bit and ask you a question. Uh, this. If I'm an employee and I'm not represented by a trade union and a trade union becomes involved and asks for salary data, you know, could I object to you, my employer, providing that salary data has been in breach of data protection legislation, that you're violating my privacy rights. In other words, you know, uh, is there an issue here under the general data protection regulation that you cannot provide my individual salary data to an external union, to a third party without my approval? Um, well, that's a very good question. And it was, uh, it was part of the debate. Uh, when the regulation was approved. Um, and it is true that the general rule in Spain, I think the similar as in the rest of Europe, is that the, the, there is a data privacy right for employees um, and this, this data cannot be disclosed or transferred to third parties without the consent of the employee. But as always, there is an exception. And the exception is that uh, the, there is a, a well, a, a, Piece of legislation or a or an article or a, a law says something different. Um, in a certain, uh, in this case, uh, 
the law is, it's, I mean, it's, it's conscious about this issue and, uh, and clearly states that this uh, data that is quite general, as mentioned before, could be delivered and transferred to third parties uh, without any problem, without the consent of the employee, a concrete employee affected. Are you, are you certain that that's the case? Uh, that is the case, but uh, well, we will see maybe some very interesting uh, litigation in that sense, because uh, depends also. It will depend also on the concrete data that you are giving to the to the workers' representatives or that you are giving to the unions, because if you are very concrete and very detailed on the data that you are transferred, then uh, the right for the privacy that you have for for privacy of the data. Uh, it could be breached um, and it could be yes it could be create a problem and a conflict that could be well uh, you can file a claim against the company uh, for, 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 for this use or misuse I mean, I'm just thinking of a situation for example because this is real life where I'm a senior executive in a company and a union the CCO you know who has communist roots come in and I'm not of that political persuasion myself. And I say, I object to you handing my personal data to a communist affiliated trade union. Uh, I see that as a breach of my general data protection rights. Could you see a situation like that emerging? Yes, it could happen, but um, it could happen, of course. Um, but if you are giving just general data without any names just for example uh, but, but you've before, al you already said that yeah. if i'm the only senior executive in the company yeah. it doesn't require me to be james bond to work out that it's you <laughs> yeah and i could it could happen and, and i think it's a very good point and it's a very good point and it will happen and this is completely new and we may face yeah some cases that it, uh well and maybe conflicts and litigation in in this matter i think and, and i agree with you i mean uh, that creates a conflict that is not easy to, 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 to solve. Um, I agree yeah. with you. How would you see that, Oriel, from, you know, like, uh, Inigo is a sort of a, a lawyer, you know, an external lawyer, yeah. but you're, you're sitting inside of a company. Now, how would you, what sort of pressures would you see that you would come under in this regard? Well, it's right. That would be a, quite a, a complex situation, but totally aligned with what Inigo said earlier. There is uh, quite an important body of case law stating that uh, from the salary itself, you cannot interfere, which is the personal life of an individual. So with that, uh, I don't, I, I, it's difficult to, to assess whether this complaint would, would, would have uh, a specific outcome or another one, but, but it's important to have this in mind. And apart from that, it's also important to point out that the the salary register that the company has to create, it only obliges to put the, the average and the median salaries. Mm -hmm. So in principle, it should not imply individual information. And maybe a possibility could be if there is a specific position or a specific job level where you only have one, two, three, four, five, or a reduced number of employees, maybe you could try to group uh, with other job levels to have um, a more significant number of employees in the same analysis but well this is something that would also need we would also need to test on whether this mm -hmm. 
would uh, be adjusted to the law or not. Yeah. So uh, a question to both of you, do you see, um, because, you know, one thing I've learned over very many, many years, and I'm longer in this business than both of you, that when it comes to salaries and personal information, people are very, very sensitive. So yeah. do both of you uh, anticipate a lot of legal challenges to this legislation? Yeah, yeah, clearly, yes. Clearly, yes. And also, for example, regarding the, the negotiation body, uh, who, is, who, is the, who is the union that represents better uh, that company in which sector? Most of the companies nowadays, and maybe HP is a good example, they have a different, totally different activities within the same company. Uh, imagine a group of companies, because you can also negotiate equality plans in a in a group of companies. So who is the who is the one who can represent better the employees for this type of of quality plans? No, so that's also a, that will be even bef before starting to negotiate. That will be also mm -hmm. an issue. Yeah. Uh, so and we, these type uh, of issues, it will be important. They are important. So, for instance, if we take a company like uh, Amazon. Right. That on the one yeah. hand have fulfillment centers, warehouses, you know, very traditional in some way. And on the other side, you have Amazon cloud services, which are a very different type of business. Who represents them? Now, which That's union? It. That's it. That's exactly it. That mm -hmm. would be difficult. One last question. One last question, and I'm sure we're going to come back and talk to you guys again about this, because this seems to me to be sort of one of those... <laughs> pieces of legislation which pushes the boundaries out you know would could either of you anticipate a constitutional challenge to this in spain to, to the, the spanish supreme court mm, not really because at the end of the day it's a develop of the a fundamental right of non-discrimination equal payment uh, so it's more it's more regarding procedures and and the content of the plan and how it, how is it not really not really uh, will be uh, we have a claim on the constitutional court or something like, like similar no not really at this stage at least at this stage but both of you see this as a very complicated piece of legislation that's going to give rise to a lot of difficulties as you try to totally. translate it into practice Totally, yeah, totally, totally. You totally, from an external yeah. point of view with an overview and you, Oriel, from an in-company point exactly. of view. Exactly. will be a very complex legislation to implement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You, you, the next time I talk to you, you will have gray hair as a result of this legislation. <laughs> yeah, a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with more issues. With more we, well, that, yeah, yeah, well, indeed. Well, look, myself and Oriel have been through some complicated issues together, you know, in other matters, so we should be through some yeah. more. So listen, can I... Thank you both for taking the time to talk to us. I mean, it, 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 look, it seems to me that there's enormous complexity in this, not just about the representation issues, you know, who, who's entitled to represent employees and is some external body which has no connection with your workforce entitled to come in and negotiate on their behalf without even having to refer back to them before it signs off in an agreement and the complications about what data can you share and does that run into general data protection uh, issues. Um, it seems to, oh, well, you know, 
all I can say is that, you know, for two lawyers, it's going to keep you very busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, unfortunately <laughs> for companies. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's always the way life is. So listen, uh, Inigo and Ariel, you know, thanks for taking the time out um, to, to talk to us this evening. We'll get this out to our Berg membership in the next couple of hours. And, you know, I... Insofar as one can say it these days, enjoy the weekend, which, you know, which may be that you get to look out at the window of your apartment because that's <laughs> that's about the size of things. So thanks very much. Yeah. And Thank you indeed. very much. And then the, we, we, no doubt we'd be coming back to you about this again as, uh, as matters develop. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.